0: Oh, hello there. It's me, Dave Berry, and I'm here to tell you about my brand new podcast, The Dad Pod, which conveniently has found its way into your feed right now. This week, I'm talking to the multi-talented, very funny, and when talking about all things fatherhood, very moving, Mr. Tim Minchin. Enjoy. Please do subscribe, rate and review. Thank you. I'll, I'll leave you alone now. Um, so, okay. okay, It should that be fun. You've got headphones good. there. I'll we'll turn these down. Shall we begin? We're going to be using that a little later. Um. Uh-oh. Oh, i it up. Hello, and thank you for downloading this episode of Dave Berry's Dad Pod brought to you by Royal London. I recently became a father to the wonderful little being known as Evangeline, which is why I wanted to create a place for all people to come and celebrate the wonderful, exciting, sometimes downright scary thing that is fatherhood. And that's how the Dad Pod was born. Each episode I'll be joined by a special guest to talk all things dad, and today I am joined by a man of many talents: a comedian, actor, composer, songwriter, pianist, director, a multi-award winner. And a father of two, daughter Violet, age 13, and son Casper, age 10. It's Tim Minchin. Hello, Tim. Hello, Dave.
1: Thank (laughs) you for having me.
0: Well, it's so lovely to have you here. And there's so much to get through because you have such a busy, packed life. And, you know, fatherhood obviously plays a big part of that. And factoring it in.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting when you're away from your children for two months to talk about th- how, what a great father you are, but I'll, <laughs> I've, I've lied before. I, I'll lie again. <laughs> well, you've been back
0: on tour with Back, the mm-hmm. appropriately named Back. Do your children feature in the show? Is there comedy? Are there songs to be had and inspired by them? Because having had comedians on this show before, some of them want to avoid you know mm. doing routines about their their children just because they think that other people may find them boring. And others... I think, understandably, find them a real rich source
1: of material. Where do you stand? Well, I have somewhere in between, basically. Okay. I do think sometimes it's a pity when comedians... Well, not even just comedians, when people have kids and they feel like they're the first person in the world ever to have kids and it affects their lives and they become incredibly boring. And that can happen with comedians as well. Their Material suddenly becomes about, oh, what is it with your diapers or whatever? And you're like, well... I mean, yeah, we've been there. And And the weird thing about parenthood as well is the early years of having kids, the first six months, the first year. So you just, your mind is blown that, people have done this and that you're now doing it and then two years later you've totally forgotten it. you just you delete that first you're so tired and you kind of just forget it and you forget to pass on the advice which is why everyone's so shocked when <laughs> when they're babies. and so comedians there are some who do it incredibly well because it suits their style anyway so when manford had kids and obviously didn't he have twins and um mm. And his style is talking about family and he's such a beautiful guy that I would listen to him talk about his kids all day. But some comedians who you're like, oh, don't go to kids. That's not what we come to you for, you know. I'm somewhere in between... the, the most sort of well-known song of mine that uh, was inspired by my kid is, is not a comedy song, it's White Wine in the Sun, which in Australia is this sort of Christmas song well, it's that a lot of people beautiful. listen to. Um, but I also wrote a song called Lullaby, which is quite a violent uh, <laughs> song where I still get notes all the time from people going, thank you for that song, we've got a three-month-old and I'm, <laughs> we're just dying and your song made us laugh because it's about that feeling of like, oh, my God, I want this thing to die. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's a first on the dad. Part. Yeah, there you go. Um, do you think that there's almost a self-preservation to to? humankind that we are encouraged to forget about those really early days or we would never do it again. Totally.
1: There'd be no younger siblings. Evolutionarily, (laughs) there's a great evolutionary pressure to not remember how much it sucks. Yeah. Um,
0: Well, with that ringing in our ears, when touring, and as I say, for the first time in seven years, are you again caught between really missing your kids, which of course you would, but also there's that slight bliss that you're going to be in a hotel room after you finish the show and you're going to be on your
1: own. Yeah, I think I think when I was when my kids were young there was bliss um and guilt, a huge amount of guilt cuz my wife um doesn't have a conventional job I like to say she's not paid by any other man um she my my sarah's a full-time she runs our lives you know saying she's a parent is to understate what she does but um She's always picking up all the slack and has been since... We had our first kid here in a London winter when we'd lived here for two months. You know, we moved here when Sarah was seven months pregnant and within 12 weeks I was back out on the road and, yeah, I slept very well but for a little bit of guilt uh, in hotel rooms. Now my kids are a bit older. It's a bit of a pain having a 13-year-old who's complicated in the head but... um, it's not like I'm awake at night or anything. So uh, there's not much upside to being away. And it really, I really have a sense that my daughter needs me around. So it's... it's, it's but, but what I love is performing. So, you know, the upside is significant because I haven't done much live performance for the last seven years. So I'm buzzing about that. Having done this and talked about becoming a father for the first time on, on my
0: breakfast show, it, it just seems from every, every dad we talked to, and we've had, obviously had some mums on, on, on the series as well, the reliance on your partner, if you're able to have a partner in this situation. One of the things that once the kind of, it all settled down for me was just the respect that I have for single parents and how they manage to do it. It's just a, a mammoth undertaking. Because I think for all of us, Tim, it's, it's really trial and error. Yeah, You know, the, the the idea of figuring out who this person is and, and where they're going.
1: It, it completely is, and it feels like total chaos. Um, and, you know, tiredness is... People underestimate tiredness. I mean, they used to use... They used to use on... on unless this is apocryphal, as far as I understand it, they used to use on ships um, as punishment for wayward crew members... Um, Multiple wake ups, like as torture, sleep deprivation. Yeah and, yeah. and it would all be about letting them get back into deep sleep and then waking them up again. And as, you, as parents of babies, you're it's it's torture, and it and and the reason we forget that period is because we're neurologically massively compromised, we're not doing we're not storing good memories, we're not we're just surviving. And yeah, I, I mean, I am. Full of admiration. For, I mean, my sister's just had a baby. the The dad with a with a non amorous partner, with a with a friend, and the dad's now in England, and she's on her own. Okay. Um, for a few months, and she. I mean, I th- I just think it's absolutely incredible. Is that and her we're first child? That's g- her first, and so we're yeah. all. She's lucky because she has this community. Yeah, me, and, me and my other sister, and and our partners, but but what Sarah did with our kids. You know, especially our first kid. She didn't have any family. She didn't have a community. She didn't have, you know, neighbours she knew. She was just a woman with a baby and alone in London with her husband off partying, you know. Yeah. It's pretty incredible that she she didn't walk away.
0: My wife, she found herself... I mean, and luckily, I, I didn't have to be so far away, but there are work commitments involved. And she said that the uh, once she just went up to a woman who had a baby of a similar age to, to ours yeah. in a park and just said, do you want to you hang, want to hang out? out? Yeah, Just exchange numbers. So good. To try and build your own support yeah. network. How brave is that as a yeah. thing to do and how necessary?
1: And I actually think a lot now, you know... Happily, finally, in Australia, we've got legal equal marriage equality and all that. And I know a couple of dads, um, you know, two, two dad families, um, and two mum families. But I think it's particularly hard for dads trying because that those um what are they called? The NCT NCT classes, baby yeah. groups. That Sarah, they that is why Sarah survived. And um, dads often don't feel really very welcome in those groups. I'm sure they are welcome, but they don't feel it. So I think that's that's still to come. You know, really good acceptance that dads are often the primary care and should be more and more and then we need... Society and those groups to to yeah. get on board with that stuff. It's it's they're hard adjustments to make.
0: It's part of the whole reason why I created the Dad Pod was that that when I started talking about and I didn't go over the board with it like we touched on at the very beginning of this. But on the show, so many dads and parents in general got in touch with bits of advice yeah. and bits of support, and I just thought this is invaluable. I can't dedicate a whole breakfast show four hours doing this because it's not for everybody, and yeah. as you say, it can become laborious for people to listen to. Yeah. So that's why I created it's this space and. To- it's Day. Well thank you Tim and it's just so nice to hear people say those things. I think it's it's really important. It's it's kinda like, you know, if you see a dad walking with his kids in their buggies, it's almost like the general attitude is oh you've been lumbered with them yeah. or you're helping your wife out. And that yeah. couldn't be further from the truth. Yeah. I'm, it's I like pretty, this, I yeah. want to do this, it's, I love this. It's
1: changing quickly in a good way. Mm. There's a chicken and egg thing. You know, obviously it'd be great if all the structures were there to support dads who are primary carers, but the structures won't be there until there's more dads that are primary carers, but there won't be more dads that are primary carers until the structures are there, right? So it, it's got to get some momentum, but when I'm... I know it's usually the weekend, but when I'm out and about With my kids. It's amazing. I think even since my kids were born, the change in how many, how many men there are out there with their kids mm. and it's becoming less and less that attitude of like, mm. oh, you're babysitting your kids. You know, that that thing where men are like, oh, I have to babysit the kids. You're like, you're not babysitting. No. They're your kids, dude. <laughs>
0: exactly. Like,
1: yeah. Yes. So, But, it, you know, coming from a, a family that has very traditional roles in that I'm the guy who earns the living and Sarah's the person who runs the ship, um, it's very rich for me to, I can't, you know, I can't talk about it. I'm just incredibly lucky that I've been able to just barrel on with... Doing everything I want to do because Sarah's like, oh, I'm, I'm alright with this. It's the fact that you identify that will will mean the world yeah, to Sarah and, 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 yeah. and the
0: kids. Now we're all aware of the concept of, of the dad joke. Um you <laughs> know, obviously you're a very funny man. Mm. Uh, do Violet and Casper make you laugh?
1: My boy makes me laugh. Right, okay, well, what does he do that's uh, particularly funny? It's hard. Casper's a weirdo man. <laughs> I don't know. He's pretty hard to describe, Casper. He's just I think he, he really has that thing, which I don't have, which is he's just always looking for the joke in every situation and it's it's stupid. He's one of these kids who just wants to be on his iPad all the time and what he's doing is listening to Dan TDM crack jokes about <laughs> games and looking up memes and, he, and right. the comedy is just... I find that kids are all their whole idea of comedy is quoting memes, you know, and I just want to smack them. But um, yeah, <laughs> you, you try know, going on a yeah, world tour yeah, with it. That. Right, yeah. <laughs> you can't just say John Cena really loudly. Um, uh, but yeah, he's a funny boy, and uh, and Violet, Violet can deliver a joke. Um, you know, I. <laughs> I, I'm, I don't even know if I'm a comedian particularly I'm not sure I ever was but um I, I certainly self-identify as a musician and I'm not wired to look for the jokes or find my, my children like I don't find my children particularly funny but they're um, they're they're ridiculous, yeah. Um, you've got the
0: uh, Casio keyboard in front of you, yeah. There, Tim. Uh, what I'd like to do is, you know, you're you as a musician, so so let's put that to the test. I'd like a little trill, a little ditty, if you will, that you think best sonically describes these series of events when it comes to being a dad. And if you could musically uh, put finding out you're going to be a father for the first
1: time. This is just, this is like, this is what I have to do when I'm writing musicals. I'm like, okay, I'm going to represent in sound the feeling of um, finding out you're going to be a father the first time. Well, it depends where you're at, right? Because for me it was like, it was like, uh, it was resolution, right? Because we had been trying and we'd lost one and, you know, like, it was celebratory. But I think for a lot of men it's just, just you know, or... (laughs)
0: What about the birth of your child? An Uh, an amazing moment. In my diary, I keep a a diary, a daily diary, and I've left a gap there saying that maybe I should have written it in the moment, but one day I hope to return to this section and fill in exactly how on earth I feel right now because I don't have the words.
1: Yeah. Well, childbirth, I think, sounds like this. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I was shocked by two things, and this is maybe worth sharing because no one told me this, and I'm not sure if you feel the same way, but in the last, maybe, I don't know, maybe you had a bit of trauma because we lost the first pregnancy at 12 weeks, and then, and I was away when that happened too, typical, um, so that was something I started by myself with my sister, and then we had a bad 12-week scan with, (laughs) <laughs> the, the the human that turned out to be violent who's perfect um, uh, evil but perfect and uh, and that scan was just one of these nuchal fold things where they go well what you're looking for is a figure they, they give it to you as a so for people who are just doing this for the first time you you get a stat that is um, an indicator of the likelihood um, that the kid has Down syndrome right and that it's a it's an it's an indicator it's not it's not' um, it's not definite. You then go and get a gene test and you get definite information. But the stat you're looking for is like one in a 1,000 or something, one in 900. Sometimes you get a one in 300. Ours was one in 11, which is very high. Goodness, yeah. And, and um, you know, uh, obviously, you, you know, if we had a kid with Down syndrome, we'd we'd love her unconditionally and that would be wonderful. But, but it's scary. It's not what you want out of that test. And... Um, and so, but that, when we had a gene test and everything it was fine, but um, but it's something to do with that. I just had so much fear about the birth. I just couldn't, even though my logical brain was saying babies are generally born healthy these days. Mm. I just in that last month, I just couldn't believe that, you know, I nine months ago something came out of my balls, and now it's going to be a person. You know, like I couldn't, I, it couldn't. It couldn't just be perfect. Something would have to go wrong, you know, yeah. Like, and I was so scared about it. And then the other thing that shocked me is that the birth was just wicked. Like, like Sarah, Sarah we're very, very lucky. Both our kids went, um, you know, normal, natural births, and Sarah's really good at that stuff. But I always thought, you know, people who tape the birth and stuff, I'm like, that's just weird, but now I wish I did because the actual... Coming out of a baby, out of a person's vagina, is like <laughs> wicked. It's so cool. Yeah. It's just like, whoa, yeah. that's amazing. It's like you're just persons turning inside out. Yeah. This human's coming. It's really like I'm not squeamish. I'm like, I just thought it was so... And that really shocked me how good it was.
0: It yeah. was. It's, it's just, it's the great moment. And, yeah. you know, we we, we um, gave birth by cesarean section. And it was just how wonderful the NHS here in the UK were. The nurses, they just put us so at ease. Well, most importantly, of course, Sarah J, my partner, they just put us so much at ease. And then all of a sudden, my daughter's born... I'm like as you just described, and I've just got this nurse saying, "Well, have your Lion King moment, then. Aren't you going to lift yeah, her above your yeah, head?" Yeah, <laughs> so
1: good. How good are the are the midwives? Oh, I mean, just wonderful. You know, we we have a lot of Australian friends and a lot of American friends, and and I totally get it, but they're all obsessed with continuity of care and stuff. And if if things go wrong, obviously it, it's great to have a, a doctor that you've known. All yeah, but people are like. Oh, I, I had, you know, this doctor who was meant to do it and he was playing golf and it I was yeah. so and the birth didn't go as I and Sarah and I with Casper we were on a night where the, there were women giving birth in the hallways because it was so busy. It just happened to be busy. And all these amazing, mostly Afro-Caribbean midwife just chuffing around, just just no crap. No yeah. it was just and Sarah was at one point like shouting, you know, screaming in pain as she was, you know, she went from not dilated to giving birth in, like, you know, no time. And the midwife's like, stop screaming. You're wasting your energy. (laughs) Just grab your thighs and push like this. And (laughs) it's exactly what you want. You just want someone going, "Uh, uh, uh-uh-uh, just do it. You know, someone just barreling through it with you. And we had three midwives rotating round on that shift. We Sarah remembers their names. I don't. We had a doctor come in with some students and go, oh, and walk out again. And then we had a baby and it was just, it's how... And then with Casper, we had the baby at 10 in the morning. We're having a cup of tea in our garden at 3.30 oh, on an amazing gross. summer day <laughs> in London. It was just... I love it here, you know. I'm so glad we had our babies here. In in Australia, my sisters all do five days in a bed, you know, afterwards, and we're like, ah, we were lucky.
0: More from Tim Minchin very shortly. I just want to take a moment to tell you about our friends, Royal London, who are supporting this podcast. Since becoming a dad, I've started thinking about the future, finances, things like that. And I know you've probably got a million other things going on in your head as a parent, but it is important. Royal London has been around for over 150 years and knows that life events like these may get you thinking about your financial future, not only for you, but your family as well. Royal London have various types of life insurance to suit your lifestyle and budget, which can provide money that can make a real difference to your family. Find out more at royallondon.com. Right, back to the pod. Some of the valuable dad advice that, that guests have given me on this podcast, uh, Matt Willis said, nothing lasts, everything is changing constantly when you have a baby, so you kind of need to go with the flow. Yeah. Uh, Rob Beckett said, just spend as much time as you can get away with when you're in the bathroom, because that's your respite. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. He said he grew a beard just so he could start shaving. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Um, John Thompson said, even if you're not a big reader yourself, make sure you surround the house and the child with books and, and always read to them. Yeah. So I've had some really nice advice on here and that we've shared with people. What would your best piece of dad vice be?
1: I love all that stuff. Uh, And our kids have had a a story read to them from way before they could understand a word of it to when they were reading themselves. I think the number of times my kids have gone to bed without either being read to or reading themselves would be counted on one hand in their entire lives. That's huge. I think, as a man, when, when my uncle... Who was not that much older than me had a baby um for some reason sarah i was already with sarah back when we were 17 were staying at his house and they came home we were looking after the house and then they came home and i remember my uncle joe having a shower with his tiny tiny one day old on his chest mm-hmm. and i thought i want to do that so when my kids were born as soon as i could have, um, my advice is have a shower with your baby on its on your chest. I have done that, and that is a very lovely piece of advice, actually, Tim. And, and I guess the connected advice is make sure you take, be mindful of the moments. You know, obviously you want to take a million photos, but though it is a blur, but um, your memories of those moments, first bath, first shower. First time the baby's all wrapped up, swaddled, lying oh, on the carpet. Is you know, just like the best. yeah, <laughs> the first walk, just mindfulness. You know, like be present. Try not to, try not to spend your whole time recording it.
0: Yes, that's, that is very good advice. Don't be behind the screen. Be looking mm. directly yeah. at your child. Just sit yeah. in the moment because they'll be gone soon. Um, We can't talk about literature without obviously talking Roald Dahl and and therefore talking Matilda because it's a gift that you've kind of given the world. It's such a special thing to go and see. We all absolutely love it. We all want to go and see it again. It must feel fantastic to be part of something so universally loved.
1: It's all right, isn't it? Yeah. It's amazing. It's very much the um, sort of most ridiculous stroke of luck in a fairly lucky (laughs) ride for me is getting involved in that and just... And it changed my life in so many ways, just working with brilliant people and how much I learned and how much it got me back into theatre, which is where I really came from. But yeah, also that thing where I think with all the stuff I've done, some of it a bit contentious, some of it a bit languagey and all that, to have the thing that really is going to stick around in culture be something so harmless, which sounds like damp praise but but it's not, it doesn't hurt anyone it just puts joy into the world and employs hundreds and hundreds of people and, and creates to, like it's just a good thing in the world so I'm super lucky yeah
0: that's exactly what it is it is a good thing about I, I saw it with my wife um, and I can't wait for our daughter to be old enough for us to go back and see it because I miss the bit no plot spoilers here really but the bit with Mrs Trunchbull and the because oh, yeah. I had to go to the loo and I hate being that guy and it's why I always book a seat on the end row because I right. would hate to ruin anyone else's enjoyment of any production
1: I'm at. You have but I've missed bladder. that. That's
0: the set. I have some bladder, your bladder issues, issues, too. Yeah, that's that's right. why I sit on the end, because at least I know I've got that and I'm yeah. not going to
1: annoy other yeah. people. You're staring your bladder in the <laughs> face, and that's the main thing. <laughs> she yeah. could be such a cruel <laughs> mistress. Looking it in the eye. That's <laughs> well, good.
0: Have your kids seen it?
1: Yeah, so it Violet, must be an
0: amazing thing to show them.
1: Yeah, Violet was um. Three and a half when we did the first ever sort of family and friends showing in two thousand and ten, um, and I guess yeah, almost four, and that's a bit young, but um, and she was scared of Miss Trunchbull and stuff, but <laughs> I had of her Miss on the lap. <laughs> I had her on my lap, and you know it was it was huge, um, and and it became. When the kids were young, it's, the albums really—it oh, sounds like I'm plugging. The albums great for car, no, not car trips, yeah. right? And the kids quite liked it. But what's funny about Matilda, of course, is it's their dad's work, and they are much less interested in it than <laughs> most other kids. One you know, no, like, of their friends—that's yeah, yeah. right. I've got—they've got—they had friends in England who are obsessed by yeah. it and did the Matilda workshops at their school and all that. But um you know, they—they they love it, and I think as they get older, they'll understand. More, what a huge impact it had on their lives, as it turns out. It's such a, a wonderful
0: musical and a show that my wife and I really enjoyed, and it's one of our things we're looking forward to when Evangeline's old enough to take her there.
1: How old is she now?
0: She's she's t- she's a year in December, so right. she's going to be one in December. So we've got a little time yet before that happens. And my final question, Tim, is um, Violet and Casper, they hear this podcast back in 15 years from now.
1: What would you like to say to them? <laughs> um... Well done on getting to an island. Um, um, 15 years from now, so Vi will be 28. God. Well, I think you'll get to this. You just fear that you did it wrong. You always fear that you did it wrong, even though I know basically, logically, what kids need is to be loved and surrounded by books, right? And So I got that right. So I guess you just want to say to your kids... I'm sorry if I didn't get it all right, but no one ever does. And when you have you kids, your own kids, you'll realise. Because at that age in your 20s or in your early 20s, that's when you start blaming your parents for everything and then you get over it. And then when you have kids, you finally properly get over it and just want to apologise to your parents. And have it. so much respect for what they managed to do. A- absolutely unbelievable. But, you know, I, I think um, having a famous parent is terrible. I think that's and I've changed, I've, the reason I've disappeared is for that reason. When we were living here, it was starting to really be not very walk-in-the-streety, and mm-hmm. I thought that's no good, so we left. That was a big part of it. So I think I I worry about that a lot. I think I just don't think you want to grow up with a famous parent. I think that's really bad. So um, sorry for that, kids.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, well, Tim, listen, having spoken to you on the pod today, you, you, you have so many... um. Wonderful opinions on, on parenting and some of the things you've said about being a dad and, and how supportive Sarah has been and everything has been, you know, re- really moving and eye opening. And, you know, and I, for what, it, what little it's worth, I think that you've, you've, you've done a great job. And it's been a real pleasure having you talk to us about being a dad on the podcast. And everyone um, listening to this is going to take so much from it. So thank you very much indeed, Tim. It's Eugene. a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Tim. See ya. A huge thank you to the supremely talented and effortlessly charming Tim Minchin, ladies and gentlemen. As always, please do leave a comment and rating and don't forget to like and subscribe if you're enjoying my dad pod. Thanks to everyone who's done that already, like Stockport Pete, Will Simpson, Kerry Scrace, James Tuffin. You're all very kind. Thank you to James Trendle for your lovely email and congratulations to you and Vicky on Baby Ollie. David Mansfield, thank you for the dad vice and for the warm welcome to parenthood. And Paul and Melanie, the twins Florence and Daisy are adorable. Keep up the good work, everyone. Joining us next time will be an icon of British sport, a former professional footballer, manager and one of the best loved and most entertaining sports punnets around. He's a father of two. It's Chris Kamara. See you next time, and thanks again for listening.
1: Absolutely mesmerising. You know, it's amazing that you're doing that, Matt.